Hi, I'm Amy. And I'm Melanie. We are so excited to welcome you to our new podcast, Talk to Us at Bounce English. Hey Mel, why do you tell us a little bit about this podcast? Each episode, we talk with guests about the impact of COVID-19 and new technology on the future of teaching, education, and learning. And our first season is all about ESL, baby. That's English as a second language for the uninitiated, or third language, or fourth language. So subscribe now to talk to us at Bounce English on your favorite podcast software, or listen from our website, www.bounceenglish.rocks. Yay! Let's keep in touch. Let's keep in touch. Keep in touch with me. Great. And Melanie, would you like to introduce our guest today? Yes, I would. So our, our guest today is the lovely Anne Crutchfield, um, who is the owner and CEO of LA English Teacher. Uh, did I get that right, Anne? I just want to check. I think so. I You may have just upgraded me to CEO. I don't... I. I like that. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm the CEO. <laughs> okay. Our our first guest is the lovely Anne Crutchfield, who is the founder, owner, and CEO of LA English Teacher. I met Anne when we were both working in the International Academy at the University of Southern California. And what I know about her is not only do we love teaching and we love working with international students, but bizarrely we are from the same hometown, which is totally <laughs> crazy. Um, when was the last time you were in Crystal Lake? Yeah. I was there last year, uh, September 19, for my 20th uh, reunion. My 20. Oh my god! Reunion. It was a big, big event. It was, it was awesome to be back. But I bet you're a Gator too, right? Or no? I am a Gator. Go Gator. Okay. I had to to ask. I don't know why. Yeah. We graduated from the same high school. So now let's kind of move into it. I'm going to start by asking you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I mean, that's such a loaded question these days. Like, I know. (laughs) Um, I mean, today's a great day. I'm really excited to be doing this podcast today and, um, this morning, I was just looking over my my agenda, and I had like a private lesson in the morning, a group class. I had this going on, and and another little project that I'm working on. And I just thought, like, this is what I this is what I wanted. I wanted to just kind of be working, like, wake up and and work on my projects, and kind of take care of what needs to be dealt with that day, and make lots of choices about how I spend my time. So. Um, I was really excited about today's agenda with this podcast. Preach it, preach it. I'm I'm so there with you. And weirdly, I was talking about this this morning that obviously this year has been so intense and, and so challenging in so many ways. But for me, in many ways, it's actually been a very positive experience. When I say that, I don't want to minimize what people have gone through because it has been really difficult. But I guess I am fortunate to be in a in a position in a job where I can I can work from home, and I I feel like I'm able to maybe even help more people and work with more people than I was previously. I feel a little bit weird about saying that, you know, just knowing the heaviness of this year. But we're we're going to get into that a little bit. I'd love for you to tell us, Anne, a little bit about your background mm-hmm. and kind of how, what sort of led you into teaching? What kind of brought you to here? Sure. So, I mean, as you know, I, I grew up in Crystal Lake, Illinois. <laughs> Woo! So when I was a high school student, I just really loved uh, my foreign language class, which first was German. And then in high school, I, I elected to take Spanish too, like, like in addition to taking German, which was like really weird. Oh my God, I thought I was the only person who did that. I totally did that. Exactly oh, you did that too? I did. I did. I, I've taken German, Spanish, French, Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was unusual. As it's, I mean, people thought it was strange. They were like, "But you're ta- you're already taking like one language." But I just loved it. I loved the foreign language classroom. So um, when I went to college, I I went to Arizona State University. So moved pretty far away from my hometown, 
and I chose to major in German, German language and literature. So that's what my bachelor's degree is in. That's the the flag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> I don't remember a lot of German, just ambition. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this clink super. Um, so I, I ended up uh, going to Germany as an, as an exchange student or an international student my junior year. So my third year of college, I went there for the whole year and, um, you know, had, of course, a big life experience doing that. I was like, I don't know, 20 years old, 19 or 20 years old and living abroad and learning German. And that's where I was introduced to the idea of teaching English because I was abroad and I realized that there was a, uh, an opportunity or there were opportunities for me to, to work not only like in cafes or whatnot, but also um, in classrooms teaching. And that was really exciting. So I had, I got some opportunities like tutoring and um, eventually got my own class. So that's where I started um, teaching English was um, abroad in Germany, uh, working with adults mostly. So my, my whole ESL career has always been primarily with adults, although I've done some kids classes and different things here and there. Um, but I also realized at some point that I needed some training to be a teacher because I, I was really interested in the language part of things, but I didn't really know anything about how to, how to teach. And I knew I didn't really know what I was doing and I needed some training. So I looked for graduate programs and I ended up going all the way to Hawaii to the University of Hawaii at Manoa. This is actually the moment I've been waiting for in this talk because <laughs> it's something I've actually been curious about yeah. since I met you, which is how did you end up in Hawaii? Right. It's amazing. I ended up in Hawaii. And why didn't I think of it? Why didn't I think I should do my grad school in Hawaii? Why not? They have a oh, well. really, the University of Hawaii at Manoa has a really strong um, applied linguistics program. It's called the Second Language Studies. Uh, that's the, the master's and PhDs and, and the, the department is also the second language studies department or SLS. So um, yeah, shout out to, to the SLS department and all my alumni friends. Um, so I went there because I picked up a book off of a shelf in a library back in the day. I mean, the internet was around, but it was like, I was still looking around in books for graduate programs, I guess. And I was like flipping through and like looking up like language linguistics. And I, I saw an, a listing for UH Manoa. And then I don't know, one thing led to another. I applied. <laughs> it all just made perfect sense at the time to move literally across the world from Germany to, to Hawaii and live oh on. Oh my gosh, you were, you were in Germany at this time. I was, yeah, I kind of skipped a little little part of my biography. I went there as an exchange student. I came back, I graduated from ASU, and then I ended up going, re like returning to Germany. Yeah. Back yeah. And, I, and I was teaching there um, like full time for a couple of years. And then um, then I went to Hawaii, yeah. Where were you? In, I mean, I'm just, I, I, I love Germany. I, mm -hmm. I really do. Like I, it is on my list. Like Berlin, I think it's just like a fabulous city. It just feels so free and wild and I love it. Although I feel like if I lived there, I'd get nothing done. I would be in like, I'd be in a club or I, I don't know what I'd be doing. I would have moved into like an art commune or something. Yeah, so. you'd be like in a beer garden or I don't know. Yeah, Germany, those years were wonderful. I mean, I, I'm so grateful that I had that experience and um yeah, I, I would love to maybe even go back sometime. That seems like really far-fetched at the moment, but, um, but never who knows? Never. Yeah, never say never. never. Yeah, so then I spent um, 10 years, no, 13 years actually in Hawaii doing my master's wow. and my PhD and uh, working the whole time in a community college, mostly at Leeward Community College. Um, and then also I picked up other work kind of gigging around like um, teaching at a private Japanese university, Hawaii Tokai International College. Um, and 
shout out. And then I also did like study abroad programs at UH in the um, School of Asian and Pacific Studies. They would have study abroad groups, like classes from Japan who would come to Hawaii for a month or a week or two different time periods. And I would teach them things. (laughs) No, I would teach them um, academic research skills, actually. So they would do a research project during their study abroad time. And I was their their teacher for that part of the program. Uh, What a genius idea. Yeah, yeah, that you was should do that in LA. Like, come yeah, to LA, yeah. and then we'll have we'll give you a research project. You do it. We'll tell you what it is, and you can pay us a lot of money to do it. I, yeah, I, I'd I love to like this idea. <laughs> yeah, I, this is the kind of work that I mean, I get really excited about, and I I'm happy that I've had like a diverse uh, diverse teaching experiences. That um, even though I've you know always was working full time at, at the community college I still got to um yeah just you know do different types of teaching or work with different groups and um that that was that keeps it really fresh so I I enjoy that variety for sure and then the last part of my my background is like how did I end up in Los Angeles so I was gonna I, ask that you're, yeah, you're going there first. the last last step is that um I moved here uh just a little over a year ago um, for different reasons, like personal and professional reasons. Professionally, I, um, I think I just wanted to try some new things. I wanted to start my own business, but I never expected it to be like thrust upon me so quickly, which I can talk about more. Um, yeah. But I was excited to go somewhere new and um, try some new things. I, I don't know, for some reason in, um, in Hawaii, I never felt like it was the right place for me to do what I'm doing now. I think LA, it's a bigger place. There's more people, there's, uh, there's more opportunities. There's just this different energy, like a energy of entrepreneurship. I don't know what it is. It's just Los Angeles. I got here and I, I really felt the, um, I felt motivated to do something on my own. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, this is just my take. I think there are some places that people move to to make things happen. Um, I think I think Chicago is one. I think Chicago is one. I think Los Angeles is another. You know, and I I think when you're in a place like that, there is often like this just feeling of excitement and like, oh gosh, you know, I could do this. This person's doing that. Why can't I try this? You know. So I I totally get that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Like, I didn't know I would feel that way. Because, I mean, I came here, of course, I I had been looking for for teaching positions, like adjunct, uh, you know, really anything part-time, full-time, adjunct, whatever's looking around. And I was so happy to to be hired last fall at the University of Southern California. That's where we met. Um, I, I came here to teach, you know, but once I got here, I don't know. I think it's just that it's like the same reason that people come to Los Angeles to become movie stars. Like, I don't want to be a movie star. I just want to be like a teacher here, but I still felt like, I don't, I felt like uh, I was in the right place, like the right place to make something happen. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, was um, <laughs> what was that? That was last year. I don't know if I feel the same. No, I do. I feel the same. Well, way but that's year. actually a perfect, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a perfect segue. I think you can, uh, if, if you don't mind, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about um, sort of what led to your business and you know, maybe uh, we can kind of move into this year a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I came here, I had a really great experience in uh, teaching in the International Academy. Um, It's a rigorous program for master's students. So you're working with really, you know, great, great students who are all like highly motivated, really smart. Very, very motivated, very smart, very driven, driven would be the word. Extremely driven. And, um, you know, so you have to keep up. Of course, it was great. I I loved it. And all of the faculty there are just like super top notch, like talented educators. So it, it was such a great experience. Um, and I was hoping that I would be able to continue working there. 
Um, but I made the decision to take, uh, to take the spring semester to focus on my business. This was pre COVID. So I decided that, you know, I was in LA, I'm here. I, I got, I got settled. The, the USC position that I was hired into was, um, listed and, and communicated to me and everything as being a fall only position. And that Mm -hmm. was very attractive I, I wanted that. I, I had never considered teaching um, one semester only, you know, huh. I thought like, well, if I'm a teacher, I mean, I have to have a full-time job and I have to, you know, also get, get hired in the summer. And I, I just always viewed myself as being bound to an, to one institution. And um, then this idea of like, Oh, fall only, that sounds great. Cause I was coming somewhere new. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. It was also good for me to do it as like a a trial, you know, like a test run. And um, it was good. And I really liked it. And I was very hopeful to take a short break to get my business up and running and then to do both. So that was my big dream, uh, you know, a year ago this time when I was really just really starting the first steps of LA English Tutor. Um, and is that your, oh, it was that, is that your website? Yes. My website is, um, www.laenglishtutor.com. So yes, I am a tutor. I tutor English in LA. <laughs> now the location is so irrelevant, you know, but a year ago I was really focused on like picking up local students. Um, I was, uh, meeting students in person. So I was organizing, you know, and making decisions and, uh, things about like, what, you know, how was I going to meet my students and where, and, and those kind of logistics that are, that I don't think about at all now that it's online a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, springtime, I was, I was, making my website. I was, of course, you know, getting all of the, the licenses and uh, things and business names. I was, yeah, setting up everything, setting up social media um, or starting to figure out what kind of curriculum I wanted to use, coming up with- Rocking along, rocking along. Things, rocking along, thinking that I would, you know, be able to pick up clients and um, then uh, also- uh, go back to my institutional uh, teaching job in the summer or the fall, and then COVID hit. So now yeah. I'm doing it full time, uh, or you know, it's kind of like do or die time. <laughs> <laughs> what and what an expression for 2021. It's a little bit morbid, but you know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, I just I just want to go back to a couple things. I just want to say. First of all, thinking about the USC International Academy, in a way, it's a little bit like a boot camp, mm-hmm. not just for the mm-hmm. students, because it's definitely like an academic English boot camp, but it's also kind of a boot camp for the teachers. Like your game, your game has to be at the top level. If it isn't, <laughs> you're gone. Um, you're gonna have to work. You're gonna your schedule's gonna be demanding. There is a lot to do, and as you said, demanding students, which has an advantage. The advantage is those students are motivated. They're gonna be working in your class. They're gonna pay attention. These are all really great things. But the other side is, if you are not on your game, they are not gonna be shy about complaining about it. Which I think is a very good thing. I I think. Students should do that. I, I, in fact, I think students don't complain enough. I think they put up with a lot of crap in the classroom, to be honest. I'm talking adult students. I mean, and that's probably true for children, but they're children. So I'm going to give them a break. <laughs> they don't necessarily know what to do. But um, I, I just, I've noticed this again and again, that students will put up with mediocre teaching. They'll put up with bad teaching for a really long time before they say anything. So um, but not yeah. at the International Academy. The teacher-student relationship. I mean, it's it's there's a there's a vulnerability there, and um, yeah, you know, it can be intimidating sometimes to give your teacher critical feedback, especially if it's not something you're used to doing. That is that's an excellent point, Amy. You're right, and I think when you're in that teacher role, it's it's like. <sighs> 
I try and not do this, but I know I do it anyway, which is like, you're just the boss. You're the leader. You're the person who's in charge of that room. I'd like to have an equal space, but, um, you know, even if you really work hard at that, everybody is used to that. Like everyone's been a child and been in a classroom with an adult figure who's the teacher who tells you what to do and they give you the rules. Yeah. And, um, a quick question. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, you no, I just like you guys are both. I, I, I like what you guys are talking about. <laughs> and um, I, I was just thinking that, you know, these are some of the like those dynamics, those power dynamics that are, you know, quite strong in in <laughs> classrooms and and then, you know, depending on the institution even more, because I was going from Hawaii, which is quite relaxed and laid back and very casual and very informal. And, you know, people just are, are really familiar with each other. And uh, USC definitely had like more of a, you know, professional, like, uh, I was about to say elitist, but in a good way vibe. Um, uh, and it was a boot camp. It was great. I, I really, I really liked it. And I would love to, um, you know, go back in the future because those uh those challenges like the the level of rigor in that program absolutely you know it helps you know improves your your own skills and um the the relationships with other teachers is something i i really miss um yeah. in, in general like this whole conversation teaching online is wonderful but that nothing really replaces like going to to work and at least bumping into and having little conversations with other teachers on a, on a yes. daily basis, you know? Yeah. And even like, you know, cause like everybody has a bad lesson, you know, like I was, I guess my husband and I both teach and he had a lesson he was unhappy with. And like, he was telling me about, it. I was like, Hey, you know what? Everybody has an awful, and he was telling me like, just okay. certain things happen. Like he had had a cover teacher, the cover teacher did what he was planning on doing. Then he had to get a new, Thing for the students there's all this tech problem because you know he's trying to download it these are all things that can really throw you off your game and I was like everybody has a bad lesson like that but in COVID times um you you, you don't always have somebody that you can then go and be like oh man mm -hmm. I really which is so helpful when you do have those moments yeah 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 there's a lot that gets like exchanged you know, among teachers in these spaces that, um, yeah, I, I do miss, I miss those kind of, uh, the, that, that part of the day. But I mean, it's been really nice working from home too. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I actually love it. I think we're kind of moving into this, like, I, I'd love to know a little bit about, and I think you've talked about this a little bit. I'd love to know a little bit about how COVID has impacted your business. Well, I mean, it for it forced everything online. I mean, so a couple of things, you know, one, it, it made everything online. So before I was meeting with students in the lobby of my apartment building. So I, I chose this apartment complex because it has, um, you know, community amenities that include like a conference room and there's some nice. study rooms that are in the, in the basement. So when I, when I moved here, I thought, okay, this will be, you know, my home. And then I'll also be able to use it as an office space to meet with students. And now I don't need that at all <laughs> because it's all online. That's, that's the biggest um, change. I mean, the Maybe second- in the future. Sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I definitely hope to meet with students in person in the future again. Um, but now, you know, that during COVID times that that's all stopped. Um, I already talked about sort of the the job landscape and the hiring landscape. And I mean, looking around for for uh, even part time work in programs is a little dicey at the moment, to say the yeah. least. I haven't been pursuing that, you know, full on, but just poking around. I'm like not really seeing very, I don't think anyone's really hiring adjunct teachers now or for a while um, this, this has been you know I, I'm sorry and I didn't mean to to interrupt you no, I just ahead. you know like there's no doubt and this was actually one thing that had inspired this podcast was that this year has really been like a total wrecking ball for the English language teaching industry like just and 
of course, in many ways, that's a terrible thing. You know, I've been negatively affected by it in some ways. You have, um, I know so many other people who have. But honestly, what I really think is that this industry does need to change with the times. And in my experience, it's a little slow doing that. So um, I, I feel like it, it's funny you mentioned your, your wish to go back to the USC International Academy. I feel like fall 2021, that's totally happening for you. Like they're going to have tons of students again by okay. then. Okay, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm I'm having a hard time imagining what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but well, that's, that's another cool. reason why we you envision me working there. Cool. <laughs> oh, well, you're you're welcome. I just that's another reason I wanted to do this podcast. I feel like the you know like there's a lot of uncertainty about the future. I just personally think like with the coming of the vaccine with the change in administration, like their students are going to come back here and, and then there's going to be a need. Uh, all of those programs that are like very um, sparsely staffed at the moment yeah. are going to be like, oh my God, we need teachers immediately. And it's going to be good. For people. Yeah, I know that's true because people are just going to be moving around. Things are going to open up. Things are going to shift in so many ways. People are going to yeah leave or yeah, there, there will be, and I mean, just everywhere, not, not only at, at USC, but other places too. So um, yeah, it's, it, it will, it will swing back into, into a different direction at some point, but that's for sure. But all, so this all just kind of forced me to go, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna you know, put all of my energy and put all of my effort into um, getting clients because that's really just what it comes down to. It's yeah. all just about just catching students, catching clients. And uh, that's what I've been doing since, you know, January. But when COVID, ha you know, since the spring and the summer, that's when I really realized like, okay, like, this is it. <laughs> like, <don't> yes. This is that sink or swim time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just noticed that the more that I put into it, the more that comes back to me. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple so far. The more that I advertise, the more that I post, the more that I make a Facebook event, or I, I write, make a story, the more that I put out there, basically in any way, emailing people, just trying everything somehow, you know, it just, the volume of like leads and um, calls and and students who book classes, it, it does, there, it is like a, almost just a direct reflection. It's kind of crazy. It's and a little how, snowball. How much yeah. time do you, uh, would you estimate you spend on like marketing and, uh, you know, looking for clients or uh, creating content to, you know, lead content um, versus the actual teaching or administrative it's like one that. for one it's one like the main thing is the recruiting and the marketing mm -hmm. and I mean I'm doing it super grassroots because I just don't have the budget to spend on like tons of you know ads online like Google and Facebook and um, other places so I mean I've done some of that and I've like sort of experimented with it and I've I haven't I mean, I've been pretty frugal with how much I've spent um, out of pocket on advertising and instead have just opted to just hustle more with like social media. So, you know, Instagram and WeChat, Instagram and WeChat are, are where I've, I've gotten students and word of mouth. So it's like, you know, I'll get one student and then that will multiply into, you know, they'll lead me to at least one or two other people. It, it, I'm definitely seeing that pattern. So then I end up spending time just kind of working those, um, those leads, leads or uh, relationships or whatnot, you know, um, emailing, texting, you know, things like that, like before before I have a, a class that's starting like a group class, I'll like go through my Instagram and like text like a lot of my old students. So I've gotten like former students um, has, that's been a, a, an important source of clients and then their friends, 
and their networks and some random people on Instagram or just, you know, people who have found me randomly is what I meant. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I spend, spend, you know, every day, like hours doing that kind of stuff. Did mm -hmm. you, were you prepared for that much uh, uh, marketing and, and, you know, personal sales work or was that a surprise to you when you Probably started not I think I mean I think I was naive maybe like most people going into a new business at the start I was like oh hey if I just get this many clients like this is going to be easy you know like oh I'll, I'll just like you know I'll just find like easily you know this many people who are willing to pay me my my highest rate like it might take a <laughs> yeah yeah mm -hmm. so awesome. I, I did I did it have does. that attitude and you kind of have to be a little bit naive to like take the risk of doing this in the first place you have to have like kind of rosy I don't know maybe rose what is it rose colored glasses is that rose colored glasses rose yeah. colored glasses <laughs> idiom you know what I think it's really good to be thinking about that like super high rate or whatever you want it's just it might take a while for yeah. you to get it and yeah. if you don't get it right away that doesn't mean oh crap I'm never getting it it means that it's just not coming today you need to do more work to get it yeah it's a couple of things like one is just like you know getting in front of the right clientele who don't mind paying that much because that's yeah. really what I found is when I talk to people when I talk to people, I mean, the people who want, who, who are willing to pay that, they, they are completely fine paying yep. it. So obviously those are the kind of people we want to. Of course. Of course. The, I mean, everyone needs language teaching, but, but we want to get paid. Too. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think I thought that there would be just, you know, more, more, that would just come more easily or people would just kind of find my Google, you know, cause you spend like hours making like a Google page and you think that then, going to do something but I have gotten some people from Google but you know it's yeah, yeah it, it takes more time it takes it yeah. takes more time than I realized and then I had to create um different options for people who weren't able to pay my my the rate that I really want to add you know the rate that I, that I sh probably should be making, but it's like, oh, well, yeah. I have to kind of get people in. So, um, so I've created like different types of classes um, so that I have kind of something for every price point. And that's been important because in the beginning, right. people would contact me and it was like, oops, like I don't, I'm not, I don't have classes for like $5 an hour. Now I do, I have a group class, I've figured it out. I have something to offer people so that they can get English lessons for $4 an hour, actually. Wow. <laughs> that's that's my group class, <laughs> yeah. Now that's um, a great point about thinking broadly about your clientele and and uh, yeah, having a little buffet selection of different different options. That's what I'm doing right now. But I mean, I think that the goal is, cause I was, I was brainstorming and preparing my notes that you, about like, you know, the future. So, I mean, the idea is then to kind of build some popularity. And then once I sort of have that little like popularity under my belt, then I'll be able to command higher prices. I'll be able to Definitely. ask for yeah. more. Yeah. So I do see my, like just circling back around, I do see myself like, you know, getting to that place, but it, it is a process. I think it Definitely. is. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I'm reading, well, I, I have like 8 million books on the go, but I have one that's through my bathroom reading. It's just like you can flip in and out. And it's by this guy who does a lot of really interesting stuff on marketing. His name's Seth Godin. And um, he has this whole thing about how like, if you went up to someone and said, I will give you $10 right now, if you give me $5. Like if you went up to total strangers, they would say no. They, they would say no, because they don't trust you. They don't know yeah. you. But if they get to know you, and maybe you just give out the $10, I mean, metaphorically, right? So $10 is obviously your lesson. But then they start to get to know you. Uh, well, then you're going to have people lining up at the door to, yeah. to do that. And in, at sometimes people will pay you $20 if you give them 10 you know? And it's all about sort of becoming a known quantity and being trusted. And, and then people want to do that. Yes. It takes a lot of build, I think. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I mean, there's different ways to go about this. Like I follow other other 
accounts online, like other social media accounts of people doing similar things, like, you know, just other teachers who are like enterprising on their own and using social media as a marketing tool. And um, I see other approaches where there's, you know, people who just have that high end, like they're just commanding very high prices and that's just their clientele and that's that's all they do and they don't offer discounts and or anything like that so I don't know if my approach is the best one or the right one I'm literally just you know experimenting and I found that I didn't like turning away people and that people are you know people are looking for affordable English prices and there is a lot of competition out there and I'm not the only person offering English lessons online or tutoring so um so it's kind of working for me now like I it's taken time but I can kind of see how it's working that like I'll get students to come into my group class where they don't pay you know they, they pay a, a low hourly rate but then they realize that they want to take a private lesson with me right like that you know so you like get them in and then they will like book classes so I, I see that happening and that that was one of the purposes of the class too was just to yeah to kind of gather people creating like a community of some kind which um, is actually so important right now it is it is yeah people want to interact um that was another note that I had in my reflections I'm kind of jumping around but um I've gotten a lot of students who have uh messaged me or said like oh like since covid like i don't get any practice speaking english so they yeah. want a lot of speaking a lot of a lot of yeah they just want to interact online yeah so that's maybe an interesting little shift that we might see more and more of is students who are enrolled in uh degree seeking programs but they're not getting the english interaction that they need and want and so they have to look elsewhere for that and interesting you're right yeah, and that probably will be a, a gap for many, many students once things do come, go back to quote unquote normal and uh, there are more international students and in travel. The spoken portion, yeah, that, that could definitely be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Because I mean, these students, they're just not, they're not going to class. So they're, you know, they're on yeah. these, these Zoom classes. So they're just unmuting themselves and speaking what a couple of comments here and there but um so yeah we'll see we'll see it's interesting i got a comment from one of my students in the fall and they said something like you know since covid hit i've been really lonely so mm -hmm. it's really nice to come to your class mm -hmm. um and you know, I, I get that. It's, it's really hard. I feel fortunate because, you know, I'm here with my husband, so I'm not hundred percent alone, but I mean, that's hard. Mm -hmm. um, what was I going to say to you? And that kind of makes me think of this question I've wanted to ask. How have you found any differences with your students and with your teacher? I mean, obviously you're online, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering how your teaching has changed. Mm maybe how you think learning might have changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so different for me, you know, to teach mostly one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I have this group class, so that, that that's a little bit different, but, you know, most of my work now is just like individual. So, I mean, when I first started doing this, like I, I really fell in love with that uh, format of the one-on-one -on -one attention with a student. Yeah, the, the, how about that? I love that. I yeah, mean, you me feel like you're really, you know, teaching somebody. So um, the the level of like focus and the level of like connection that you have with with the, the student that you're working with is really different from in the classroom, yeah. uh, where your energy is really spread and you're like kind of um, I don't know. I'm I'm always like just trying to like I don't know grow my energy or spread it out. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's just so different when it's focused on one person. I, I love, I love that change. And um, I mean, I have no papers. These are, these are weird, weird things that are coming to my mind, but you know, my whole teaching career at the end of every term, you just end up with like, you know, stacks of like paper. Do you guys know? Uh, so true. 
that's so done. True. That's done. Yeah. I have a, I have like one folder. I it's like being unburdened. You know, <laughs> like, oh nice. Oh my god. I and you know at USC the International Academy. I so often I had like paper shame. Like I'm just like. <laughs> carrying these reams of paper around like yeah. people's tests people's papers people's this and then like take me for every grade and like oh my god oh I that, that I yeah that's there's that's some heaviness that's been lifted yeah. like there used yes. to be like a heaviness yes. of carrying around your books and carrying around everything and now it's just like online so there's something that feels much lighter about about teaching I mean it's also probably because I'm in my sweatpants but <laughs> You know, like everything just feels like really like more casual and it, I mean, it is because I'm, I'm, I'm not. Sweatpants. Yeah. And my students are not, um, you know, getting grades or like, I'm not taking attendance and, um, you know, there's, there's like, yeah, just, it's a very low stakes kind of English language learning situation that I provide versus like a, a official formal program. Um, but probably much more effective because of that individual time. Your students are probably getting a lot out of it. I mean, I get a lot out of it too. I love like, you know, helping a student go through their essay or whatever it is, helping them prepare for an interview or I mean, anything, um, even just doing grammar exercises and seeing the, seeing the learning happening and seeing them like, you know, improve and seeing the scaffolding like working um i mean you, I, of course that happened in the in the the traditional classroom too but just so different i was i was a very like um hands-on teacher like always cutting up little pieces of paper i was the person always, like at the paper cutter before class like trying to make little games and things and that's all just kind of done it's it's I, I mean, hey, I, I did a talk once called Why Use an iPad When Little Bits of Paper Will Do. And it was all about yeah. sometimes the importance of those sort of analog activities Holy in the classroom. Hey, they, it can work. It can, and actually, I am a believer in online teaching that you should, in fact, incorporate things like that. It's just your students are going to have to cut the paper up. You know, like they're going to yeah. have to come to class with those things. You're right. not going to prepare it for them. They're going to do it. Right. Yeah. When I say like, it's all done, like that, that's not true. I mean, there's, you know, there's just so much, there's so many creative ways to still do those things or do them differently. But, um, but it, you know, overall the load, the, the paper load, the heavy load is, is, is kind of, that, that feels really different. It's, it's so interesting too, because like, you know, I, I, as I'm sure you have, Anne, and, and we've talked about this, and Amy, I know you and I have talked about this. Um, I've had so many conversations about the changes and that sort of immediate transition from a face-to-face -face classroom to online. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, there are things we miss about the face-to-face uh, -face classroom. I, I like to say you can't replicate a hug online. Like, there are some things you can really, like, you know, like an end of term party where everybody brings something. Yeah. You can't do that online. You just can't. But in many ways, being online actually opens up so many more doors. And I actually think it opens up more than just being in a face-to-face -face classroom. I, I kind of think in the future, like kids 10 years from now, 20 years from now, are going to think it's weird that we only did face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're going to expect that there's a combination is, is yeah. what I think. That's what I think. Yeah. And that, that's what I imagine to happen moving forward too, is that, you know, I mean, just education will just be so much more online, digital, virtual, all of those things. Um, even, you know, when we go back to real classrooms, it'll just be just more digitized and yeah. Yeah. I think the education industry is going through similar growth growing pains for, for better and, wor and for worse than uh, most other industries did in the like 90s and 2000s, you know, every, everybody used to be, you know, in conference rooms together and you all came to the office and did things. But, you know, over those 20 years, technology caught up and some businesses really adopted, uh, you know, some of the 
the um, <clears throat> technological adv advancements that allowed them to do things like we're doing today, have a, a meeting on a Zoom or just not have to be physically in the same space. And that has opened up, you know, international business in ways that like my dad, who was doing international business in the 80s and 90s, it, it's so different from what he had to ha had to go through to have the same reach and contact. So it's interesting that, that you know, because for a long time, all I heard was, well, we, I, I can't teach my class online. I just can't do it. And this oh really, my God. This right? really forced teachers, God, God bless you. God bless y'all. It really forced some, you know, teachers to rethink it. And that was painful, but that's also in many ways what the business world had to go through for, for a long time. And well, tell me, I actually have some questions for you about technology and, and how you use that in your teaching. Do you, um, do you have any like favorite applications that you use or like any tips for other teachers who uh, are looking for ways to mix up their, their uh, online uh, lessons? You know, I, I think I'm not like the most like, you know, up tech savvy, like up to date person with all the latest apps. I feel like I'm always like the last one, like learning from people. I'm like, oh, like I just learned about like a Mentimeter. I don't like, even know what that is. <laughs> what was the name of the, the application? There's a, there's, this is a website. I mean, I guess it's an app, you know, it's called Mentimeter. Mentimeter. It's a, it's a interactive polling so I use it, Ooh, okay. I use that one now in my group class um, when we do conversation focus on Tuesdays and vocabulary. So everybody at home can quickly access it and then everybody is inputting um, their own vocabulary. So we, we brainstorm around topics, right? Like if our topic is whatever the environment or who knows, then people can like put in their ideas and it comes up as a word, what's it called? Word web. Is that the right word? What's it called? Oh, yeah, word club. Word cloud. cloud, yeah, word cloud. cloud. I use that one. I use that one because I, you know, then the students all around the world, everybody's like putting in their words and it'll, you know, be popping up in like real time on the screen in front of us. And then we'll just use that to kind of go through and talk about that. So, I mean, th that's pretty basic. I use that one. But honestly, I, I keep it pretty simple. What I have is a, um, a PowerPoint slideshow with tons and tons and tons of links. I have a menu. So, um, you know, I have a, a menu with probably 40 or 50 different things that you can choose from. Everything from conversation questions, grammar practice, reading articles, news, um, watch this video about idioms. You know what I mean? I mean, I could go on and on. It's like, basically I took all I'm of my, it. I took all my stuff and a lot of it is like web-based, right? So a lot of it's just right. like, linking to websites where then we do we do that like um i use the website voice of america oh yeah 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 i use it sometimes i use I their use video it. programs um hmm, i have, have not i might sneak in there they have short videos because i don't like to show super long you know videos in and no, out why sit there and watch something that you could watch exactly Exactly. I actually, I have a personal rule. Like if you're going to show a video, it better be five minutes or less. It probably should yeah. only be one or two minutes because couldn't I do that on my own time or sign up for homework? Absolutely. Yes, you could. And exactly. I need to make it worth your while. So yeah. one to two I minutes. Charge students. And then we're like sitting there watching something, but it is nice to have that kind of input, you know, yeah. like, yes. And they like it. <laughs> yeah. They like it. And it's, you got to keep things interesting and moving I mean I've noticed you know you need like movement on the screen as yeah, much as possible. Yeah. so in my powerpoints um yeah there's tons of links and then um you know lots of pdfs lots of I'm just using a lot of pdf markups so I mean I nice. like um I have lots of textbooks that are in pdf format so I'll just pull up lessons and then we're just going through it and I'm just marking and taking notes the whole time and they're we're, we're going through everything and they're doing the activities or we'll, it, it, I could screen share too and they might do the marking themselves, but it's a lot of that. I, I do, like I just back to the idea of keeping things moving. I notice it, it just makes a difference. Maybe if you're going through a vocabulary list, if, you know, creating animations on the screen so that yes. students are like, I mean, they're not really pressing anything at home. I'm doing all of, I'm manipulating everything on, on my keyboard, of course, 
but they're telling me, I don't know where to move things. So I, I have spent quite a lot of time, you know, getting my, my own curriculum, like up to speed in that way so that there's more like um, animation and, mo and movement and, and visually interesting, uh, optically pleasant screens. I think uh, makes Optic it different. Pleasant. I don't I know. Like that. I like that. The op like, uh, you know, the optics are important and I'm not the best at that. I would love Definitely. to have like a professional, you know, graphic designer of some kind, like just really make my curriculum look better, but I do my best to make it look visually appealing. And then, yeah, students choose their activities and I open, you know, so I use textbooks, I use websites, uh, videos, um, making a lot of my own, like vocab, like I said, like vocabulary exercises or different things on the screen. Um, and then a lot of students, you know, they bring their work to me. I have a student now who is preparing for interviews with tech companies. She's a recent graduate, but she has all, she, she has her own like question. She's done her own research about all the kinds of questions that she wants to practice. So, oh, you know. that's amazing. I love it. That's so empowering. Like, just take control, lady. I love it. Yeah, that happens a lot. Um, and I'm always, I'm always finding things to, for each individual student. I have one student who wants to do some acting work in Los Angeles. And so we do monologues, wow. you know, so, I mean, I just found a great, a good website where we go through so it's reading you know I mean it's reading comprehension but it's reading and speaking pronunciation yeah. yeah and she does some memorization too so I'm like I'm not an acting coach but for her as an ESL actress like she has an acting coach but she wants help with the the linguistic part because she wants to also oh, like understand yeah, her scripts and stuff. You are so, LA English teacher. Kind of I mean, yeah. there's gonna be there's gonna be some touch of celebrity. There's yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a little there's some star quality going on over here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, what do you think the future holds? What do you think, like, whenever we go back to normal, the new normal, the new abnormal? What do you? How do you think teaching is gonna change and learning? Well, yeah. One idea we kind of touched on already, which is I think that there will be a demand among like for adult learners who are not getting the level of interaction and speaking practice that they want in their degree programs who are going to be looking for like extra support. I think that's like maybe one trend that I'm hope for my business sake, I'm, I'm hoping to see, see that happen. I think you're right. I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about this time is that we can really personalize our learning if we want. And I, I really hope and I believe that that trend is going to continue. Yeah, it seems like we're sort of slowly moving away from a paradigm of um, needing degrees and certificates to vouch for our knowledge. And instead, it's really, you know, just building the skills that you need. So I think there's more and more people who are like, I just need confident speaking. And it's very hard to get that in a classroom mm. with 20 other people or 10 other people even. But one-on-one, -on -one, mm. you're just getting that, like, that high level of attention. So I think people are going to be working on building their own skills more and more versus um, acquiring credentials or acquiring, you know, degrees in English. Mm. Also, I think another trend that, you know, that I'm slow, I'm really slow with a lot of these things to kind of act for 2021. I'm going to shift my focus more to the homeschool realm. So I think mm. there's going to be more and more families and parents yes. who just can't do it anymore. And they're like, we Definitely. need a professional, we need to hire someone to work with our kids, like at least, you know, a couple times a week or maybe every day for an hour. I know that's already happening, but like I said, I haven't really tapped into it because I've been doing other things and working mostly with adults, but I'm ready to um, sort of, you know, get into the homeschool world too more. Mm. And I think that there are a lot of people who probably, you know, homeschooling used to have such a bad the rep for lack of a better word, but there's so many wonderful things about it. And I think now that some families have experienced it, there may actually be an uptick in homeschooling. So that's a good point that that's a market that you, you know, you want to be a, a little bit prepared for once things, uh, you know, schools start really opening back up. 
of course, other families will be like, no, 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 get the kid out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, then this, you know, it does start to bring up like other issues where, um, you know, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that I'm, I'm talking about families who have the resources to hire a professional educator for their children. Great, and most great, people can't great, do great. that. I mean, that's not, that's not a reality for most families. So I want to um, tap into those markets for my business purposes, but I also want to help um, people who, who don't have access to that. So I, in the future, I'd also like to help families that can't afford private tutors. And um, so I'll be looking for, for opportunities and I'm sure it'll be very easy to find them. Um, I was going to say a couple things on that point. One, you're, you're right. Okay, people kind of moved to those learning pods and whatnot in the fall. But just like in the spring, a lot of what's happened this year is number one, like a mad scramble. Like let's just quickly cope with this situation. I mean, gosh, the the fall was a shit show to be honest. Like we didn't know for a long time if we were gonna be online, if we were gonna be hybrid, if we were gonna be in person. And then of course, many schools made the decision to go back to in-person and had to close. So you're still, I mean, definitely better prepared in the fall than in the spring, but that scramble was still happening. And I also really think there is an element of the fact that we are coping with so many changes right now, like so, so much that feels unprecedented. Like, we haven't fully caught our breath to say, okay, what do we want to do next? So I feel like there's lots of scope for for what you're kind of interested in doing because I, I think people are going to do that. They're going to say, you know what, I really like this or, you know, I, I didn't. And, and I'm sure you've found this. Like some people absolutely hate online teaching. And I'm talking teachers as well as students. Like they just hate it. Yeah. But others love it and, and thrive yeah. online in a way that they did not in the classroom. For me, I like both, but this one I kind of think I prefer online because like you, I I don't teach in my pajamas, although I could, but I like that I can. You know, <laughs> I like that it's possible. Other thing, and I have talked to some parents about this, they like, I mean, obviously they want their kids in school. Of course they do. Like, but then they also like not having five days of school. Like they like this idea of maybe Mm -hmm. three days a week be on campus I would love to see that I don't know if we'll be able to see that because I know the forces of like we want this to be the way it is they're very strong but I think we are hopefully going to see more flexibility in the way in which you can have school and and like you said yeah I think stratification of haves and have nots in education which is already a problem could become a bigger problem yeah yeah, we're going to see that. So I think it's something as educators, we all just kind of need to be prepared for the, like, w what kind of role are we going to play in the, like, educational discrepancies that we might see intensified even more in this, like, post-COVID reality. More more work to do. Yeah. Well said. Any final thoughts? Oh my gosh. My final thought is just thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you, the invitation and um, it's really nice to to talk about the work that I'm doing because maybe that's one final thought is that you know starting my own business it's been great but it's you, you know you do it by yourself so I don't I don't really have like colleagues or or people who I can you know bounce all of my ideas off of of course I have support from a lot of people but um, it's it's just nice to to share and I'm I'm so happy that that you guys um, asked me to do this podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to just say, oh, did you say bounce ideas off? We <gasps> like that. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to ask you if you wouldn't mind just um, telling everybody where they can find you. If they sure, want to sure. To yeah, so I'm Anne and um, I'm the LA English Tutor. So my website is www.laenglishtutor.com. I'm also on Instagram at LA English Tutor. 
Um, WeChat and Facebook under the same name. You can search for LA English Tutor um, on all those social medias. Um, 2021, I want to be putting out a lot more um, video content on, on social media and YouTube and whatnot. So if anybody is looking for a tutor or a language class, um, private small group or semi-small group language classes, then please get in touch with me. I'd be so happy to work with you. Thank you. Yay! Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thanks, That Lee. was awesome! Well, that was our first I know. Are we, is that it? Is that is that the wrap? Yeah. Let's keep in touch. Come on, baby. Let's keep in touch.